Welcome back to another episode of Let Me Tell You. Today we have a special guest, Theo Lawson, the WSU beat writer for the Spokesman Review. Theo, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor. It's an honor to have you on. You're the best at what you do. <laughs> I appreciate that. I try my best, and, and I'll, I'll let the people decide for themselves. But, uh, but if you say so, I'll, I'll take it. So thank you. So for the listeners who don't know you, why don't you give us the 30-second elevator pitch about yourself? Yeah, so I, uh, I've worked at the Spokesman Review for three uh, three years, three football seasons. I, I kind of count football seasons. So I, I started I uh, started working for the Spokesman and I was the Wazoo beat writer before, I guess, Luke Falk's final year at Washington State. And so I, I've had a pretty good run here. Um, I, I always try to compare my record as a, as a Wazoo beat writer to the past few beat writers that I know. And I, I think I have the best record of any uh, beat writer in the last uh, the last few decades, maybe. So, so I've stumbled on a pretty good era of Washington State football. But... Before a spokesman, I worked at the Lewiston Tribune covering um, Idaho football and Washington State basketball, actually. So I did a little bit of both and some high school stuff. And before that, I uh, went to school at the University of Idaho for five years. And I interned at the Seattle Times for one summer and worked at the Tribune a little bit, Lewiston Tribune a little bit while I was going to school, too. And, and from the Bay Area, from Dublin, California, originally. Love that. Uh, big Giants fan. So. Let's just jump right into this. So I read your story earlier about the new WSU commit, Jake Constantine. Could you give us some insight, expectations, what we should expect from him? Yeah, Jake Constantine is a, is a grad transfer walk-on actually from Weber State. He, he was actually signed to play at Towson, FCS powerhouse on the East Coast. A lot of people are familiar with uh, that they actually played at Eastern Washington, an FCS semifinal a couple of years back that I actually was able to attend. But uh, so actually, as, as of today, uh, Jake Constantine was on Towson's roster. And then, of course, the Towson is part of the Colonial Athletic Association. They're discontinuing football this fall. They're probably going to play in the spring if they can. So I think uh, I think Constantine kind of looked at the situation. Would I rather uh, sit out this fall and, and wait and play at an FCS school in the spring, or can I transfer to an FBS Pac-12 school and to, to compete for the starting quarterback position? Obviously, Washington State loses Anthony Gordon. They're, they have a few guys looking to replace him, but, but no one in that quarterback room has any experience. I, I actually believe Washington State is the only – uh, quarterback stream in the pa- at the power five level without uh, without a quarterback that that, uh, that has a returning snap. So so uh, obviously Washington State needs some experience. Jake Constantine provides that, and from Washington State uh, perspective, he, he's only going to be a walk on. So so they didn't actually have to offer him scholarship. The way the way I see it, that, that there's going to be a lot of walk ons on, on this team this fall. Hopefully that that didn't win two Big Sky championships as a starting quarterback. So it doesn't really hurt Washington State to add someone like Constantine. Hopefully for him, he, he can kind of compete for the job and kind of make a case to, to start for a Pac-12 football team this fall. Would you say this situation is kind of similar to the Jake Thompson situation at UW? Um, I believe Thompson is on scholarship at Washington, and he, he seems to be kind of kind of a legitimate uh, legitimate contender for for, for, the, for the quarterback job. I'm, I'm not sure if Constantine is going to be kind of kind of the front runner going in. Obviously, Cameron Cooper. Gunnar Cruz, uh, even Jaden Delore, the freshman who actually ran the, the run and shoot offense at high school in high school at St. Louis in Honolulu, so, so he's familiar with Nick Rolovich's system. Cam and Cooper and Gunnar Cruz have, have, have the advantage of, of kind of uh, knowing everyone on the team, that, that they have the trust of the locker room, uh, that, that they've been able to ber- uh, build rapport with teammates the last couple of years. So, so, so I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure if Constantine comes in as the favorite, whereas I think uh, Thompson at Washington – Probably does come in as, a, as Washington's favorite to win the starting QB job, but but uh, you know similar. To, but they're obviously coming from the Big Sky, and we have seen um, we have seen a stream of, of Big Sky quarterbacks transfer into the Pac-12. And look at obviously Gage Gubrud and Dakota Prukop at Oregon that didn't work so well, but then Vernon Adams uh, transferred from Eastern Washington to Oregon that, that worked pretty well. So so a lot of a lot of Big Sky quarterbacks are, are kind of seen this opportunity to just kind of play in the Pac-12 and hopefully use that use that opportunity to play one year um, at the FBS level. Of the, 
power play available to, to kind of to kind of vault it to kind of vault in the NFL and, and then use that as kind of a springboard, sort of like Gardner Minshew did two, uh, two years ago. I was just about to say. So it seems like a lot of people are using this short this break possible the unusual scenario to pull a Gardner Minshew and. I think it could work. I think the UW guy, I've heard a lot in the local radio here in Seattle that he is the favorite, but I didn't know if became the favorite because he has actual playing experience versus Cameron Cooper, who's just been at Washington State for the longest time. I'm actually not too familiar with, too, too familiar with Washington's quarterback's room and how much experience those guys have. I, you know, I know they do bring back one guy who, who has some experience uh, backing up Jake Easton last year. So, so that, that also means he got the backup reps of practice, which was Cameron Cooper. Uh, he, he only got the, the, the really, really the fourth string reps of practice uh, last year because Washington State had three seniors and Gordon Tinsley and Gage Rupert. So, so Cooper does, doesn't even have that many first-team reps, whereas Washington's quarterbacks have, have probably more first-team reps and, and more time as a backup quarterback. So, so I'm, not, I'm not sure if you can really compare the situations, but, but, but obviously Cameron Cooper is a pretty talented quarterback who – Came from an, an air raid system, so 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 the transition probably shouldn't be too hard for him. Whereas Constantine, I, you know, I, I know Weber State, they had three All Conference running backs last year. That they are more of a running team, and, and Constantine had had some kind of iffy um, numbers as far as touchdown to interceptions, and, and so he probably will take some more time to, to, to kind of get familiar with the system, and then hasn't obviously had, hasn't had as much time to study it. Where, where, whereas Cooper, uh, Cooper Cruz, and Delora probably, probably the last few months kind of watching film of, of, of Hawaii's offenses and, and kind of working with Rolovich on, on learning that. All right, then that's a great analysis right there. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. With classes being canceled and students like myself being asked to stay home, do you think that increases the odds of sport of any fall sports coming back? Or do we still think it's kind of unlikely due to the difficult, like you can't do a bubble like the NBA, but do you think there's a better chance? I, I, I actually saw some stuff about a college football bubble on Twitter yesterday. A few, few people were throwing in ideas. I believe it was Stuart Mandel, the athletic that kind of threw out the idea of having, having each conference kind of have their own bubble in different regions and, and having, having the PAC 12 in Seattle. Don't see how that works for, for college students. And I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you can put college students in that kind of scenario. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that won't be a, a real consideration, but uh, you know, all of these ideas are interesting right now. And then who knows if one of them will eventually go through. I really think uh, not having students on campus actually kind of helps the case for college football programs because if, if you look at a school like Washington State, where, where a small town like Pullman, you take away around 30,000 students, that, that obviously provides probably a safer atmosphere for, for student athletes. That, that there obviously won't be as many opportunities to, to kind of go out and mingle with uh, the, the student body. But uh, but but there, the, I'm, I'm sure there will be schools that actually have in-person classes. So so I think it's going to be all over the board. It seems like. Most Pac-12 schools probably won't have, have in-person classes. I think the, the LA schools and the, the California schools are kind of moving away from that already. And I, I never really had much confidence in California schools that the Arizona schools be doing that. The Arizona schools still might. We'll see what, we'll see where that goes. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's something they're considering is that, that uh, you know, probably is a safer atmosphere when, when it's only going to be those 100 football players. Of course, you have the other student athletes, volleyball players, soccer players, but, but, but it really kind of reduces the risk of contracting the virus and party situation or classes or restaurants or, or whatnot. So, so, you know, I, I think it does kind of provide a safer situation, but, but we'll see if, uh, we'll, we'll see if a uh, school's kind of allowed that. It's, it's, it's still kind of hard to imagine to me that, that, that we'll be playing football with no in-person classes, but uh, this is all very new. And I know they are pretty desperate to get in a football suit. Yeah, no, they definitely are desperate there. I did notice Pat Chun did say he is cautiously optimistic. So that does bode well, at least for me, if I have to stay home, there's a chance that I might be able to watch some football. That is a plus side. Yeah, I think I, th- I think most students, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure most students would rather there be a football season, and allow these guys to be on campus and, and play football rather than not to 
obviously there's probably a large portion of Washington State students that don't care and probably are a little bit bitter that, hey, if, if, if the football players can be on campus and the volleyball players can be on campus, why can't we be on campus? But 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 I, but I think most most Washington State fans probably want to see what's best for the university. And obviously football brings in a lot of money for, for the school in general. Won't bring as much money into to the Pullman economy if fans aren't allowed. Pullman won't be uh, getting the business that they usually get from home games. But but, but I think it's still, uh, still, still a positive for the school. They can play football in a safe setting. Right. Yeah, that is fair. That's a good point. Do you think the shorter season, if it happens, obviously, is a plus or minus for Nick Rolovich? Um, that's a good question. You know, I, I, you know, I, I believe Nick Rolovich probably did want to get a Steve wet playing schools like Utah State and Houston. I don't that all three of those schools would have been gimme wins. I, I think Utah State would have been actually one of, one of their toughest game, tougher games. And Houston obviously is, is a pretty good program. Um, I, I don't think they would have had much problem with Idaho, but uh, and that's that's me saying that as a Vandal grad. You know, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure it benefits him. I, I, I don't, I don't know how much it hurts him. I, you know, I think the main thing for Nick Rolovich is actually getting to fall camp and getting, getting a, a good month of practice in because obviously Washington State was one of I believe three schools in the Pac-12, along with Colorado and, and, and Washington, that didn't get any kind of spring practice. And obviously, for a new program with the new offense and the run and shoot and new defense under Jake Dicker, defensive coordinator, they are actually the only program that, that's going to be uh, changing things on both sides of the ball. Washington obviously retains its, its defensive staff, and I believe Colorado is going to retain its uh, its defensive staff too. So, so those two programs have, have a little bit of an advantage, not, not having had uh, spring camp because there's going to be some familiarity. Whereas Washington State, it's all completely new, new players, new coaches. Obviously, Washington State need need some uh, need some practice reps for Cam and Cooper, like, like we talked about, Gunnar Cruz, Jaden Delora, and now now Constantine. So, so I I think I think the main thing for Washington State is getting 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 a good 25 practices in. And then kind of, kind of, kind of going for there, going from there. But, 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 but I know Nick Rolovich won't complain because any football is better than no football at this point. And if you have to play a ten game schedule, it's probably probably better than better than a zero game schedule and wait until the spring. That is a fair point. So Nick Rolovich replaces Mike Leach, who left for the SEC. Besides a change from their offensive philosophies, what do you think Nick Rolovich brings to the table compared to what does he do differently than Mike Leach? The first thing that comes to mind is actually something that a few players told me uh, the, the day that Nick Rolovich was was introduced, and that they had a few players. Actually, uh, about half the team showed up to the press conference, and we got to speak to a few of them afterwards. And uh, talking to Max Borgie, he said he, he's, he's actually a player's coach. And talking talking to Jihad Woods, he's, he said he's actually a player's coach. So, so kind of indicating that that Mike Leach, you know, we, we all kind of knew this already that Mike Leach wasn't exactly the. the, the uh, the players coach that, that, that you would kind of think of when you, when you hear players coach. And, and so I, I think, I think the players really, really kind of like that aspect. And I think, uh, I think the Max Borgie kind of called him um, kind of a fatherly figure. So, so, so I, I think he really will kind of care about the players and I think he's already shown that. So, so I think that's the one, the, 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 that's the one change. And Mike Leach uh, um, did it his way. It worked his way for, for, for that many years and kind of worked to what he's done his whole career. So, so you can't really complain with, with, with Mike Leach's method, but, but uh, I think for, for players that, that had spent three or four years under Mike Leach or two to two to three years under Mike Leach, I think it'll be a nice change of pace to have a coach who is a little bit more of a player's coach and, and, and might, might sympathize with, with players more on certain things and might, might, might be a, a little more friendly to, to players in certain situations and, and really want to build relationships with yeah, well, we know we definitely saw him be more friendly with the town. I mean, I loved his during the first half of this pandemic when he would give the coach people to get free food. I thought that was generous way to ingratiate himself. Very yeah, I'm really wishing I was living in Pullman still at that point. I actually moved to Spokane a year ago, so so I really could have taken advantage of that for for for, for a few weeks and eaten at a few restaurants. But uh, but yeah, you know, I I really think that kind of shows Nick Rolovich's 
desire to get to know the town, to get to know the community and really kind of build trust with the community. Obviously he wants to be able to, to go out and prove it on the football field. Now I'm, I'm sure he's tired of, of, of tweeting and supporting the businesses and stuff. And he really wants to be able to, to, to kind of show he can do it on the field because obviously if he loses a couple of games, the, uh, the, the entire fan base kind of turns on you. So, so I, I, I'm, not, I'm sure, I'm sure he's kind of at that point where it's like, all right, let's get on the field. Let's, let's, let's actually prove that, that, that we're worth being here and that we can actually compete. So, but, 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 uh, but obviously I think you, I think you said as a good, as a good of a start in the community in the town as any coach can have. And I, I think he was obviously the right hire for Pullman. And he, he's kind of talked about really, really kind of fitting in Pullman. He, he was surprised by how well he fit and he didn't really know a ton about the town of Pullman. So, so I, I think that was a pleasant surprise for him. I think that's most of us when we first go to Pullman. We don't really know a ton about it. Right, it's right. A, right. It's a total shock. You're like, oh, this is tiny, man. Wow, it's a real place. Yeah, I had no idea that Pullman even existed. I, I actually, so I, I went to Idaho, and my, my mom and I uh, drove up from California, and I think May before I went up to school there, and uh, and and we were almost in Moscow, and we were driving through Pullman, and I had no idea that Pullman, Washington State, were even there. And so, so I wonder if I would have considered going to school there had, had I known that Pullman existed. So, so we, we, we just drove through it, but, but, but obviously it is a quaint little place, and it definitely has some charm to it, for sure. Definitely does have some charm. So my last football question, then I'll switch to basketball, is Jake Dietrich, the new defensive coordinator from Wyoming, what are your expectations? Like defense was a struggle for us. Do you think he will bolster it or is it more of a, it'll take more time to improve it? I think, I, th- I think it'll definitely get better next year. You know, I, I look at last year and, and wonder how it could get much worse than last year, especially when you look at some of those games against UCLA, uh, UCLA, UCLA and UCLA, but also games against uh, Arizona state, Utah, a defense was was obviously in shambles for, for for most of the season, and you could kind of even sense the first few games when, when they were missing tackles against Northern Colorado and Houston. So, I really think it's a positive to have, to have a new defensive coordinator. Obviously, with 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 the, if, if Mike Leach had stayed, I, I think I think they probably still would have gone elsewhere to, to find a new defensive coordinator. So, so you're probably starting over on that side of the ball anyway. And uh, you know, I I think I think Washington State returned some 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 pretty nice pieces on defense. Obviously, led by Jihad Woods, the linebacker, and I think he's going to be he's going to be pretty integral and in, in kind of leading the younger players and kind of acting like a quarterback on defense, like, like Peyton Fleur did for, for about uh, 10 years at Washington state. So yeah, exactly. uh, I think I like Jake Dickert's scheme. He obviously had a lot of success in Wyoming. He hasn't, he hasn't been a, an FBS defensive coordinator for very long. So that, that's probably the one thing that, that you're a little concerned about his experience, but, uh, but then, you know, Nick Rolovich hasn't been a head coach at, at the power five level ever either. So, so you're kind of taking a few, a few risks there, but, uh, but I, but I think he was the right hire. I think he has a pretty good scheme and it obviously worked. And so, 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 so I think, I think it'll be interesting to watch and, definitely be following kind of kind of kind of that that's that side of the ball as much as as much as offense and you always feel that 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 if, that if a run and shoot offense or an air rate offense kind of uh if the team running that offense can hold the opponent to under 30 points you feel pretty good about your chances to win because the air rate and the run and shoot are, are usually put up 30 to 40 50 points so so i i think that's kind of the goal and that obviously worked with with alex Grinch in the first year under Tracy Clay, so 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 we'll see. I, I, I believe the offense can be pretty prolific, but 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 uh, once again, like last year, it all kind of depend on the defense. Right. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I was talking. I interviewed Kyle Sweet a couple of weeks ago, and he said that was the best part of playing in the air raid. You always knew we had a chance to win because we could just outscore everyone. That was right. not a worry. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're always going to score. They, they're always going to put up uh, passing yards, uh, and you know, still, still though, <laughs> if you, if you score 50 points, it's not always enough. As we saw last year, when when Anthony Gordon threw nine touchdowns and lost a game, so that was that was really sad. That was, we, we don't we don't have to go there again if you don't want no, to. No, we don't have to. <laughs> but it happened. We can't escape it. Switching gears to basketball. So WSU obviously had an amazing recruiting class this year, historic, 29th in the nation, one of the best in the history of the program. 
do you see, are there any players in this recruiting class who you feel will have an immediate impact, whether it be TJ Bamba or Carlos Rosario? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think the one guy that, that really stands out is actually the, the last guy that, that committed and signed was, was Andre Jakomowski. I, I, don't, I don't know how to say that name. I'll learn it eventually. Andre Jakomowski, I think. Um, he, he's, he's kind of the, the equivalent of a four-star prospect. And I, I believe he, he's kind of, kind of considered Washington State's highest-rated recruit since, since Clay Thompson's class. And they had two guys in that class that were a little bit higher than Andre is. But, 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 but I, the fact that he's, uh, I think he's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, really kind of big, strong guy. He's also pretty quick and versatile. He can shoot. So I actually kind of look at him a little bit like Jazz Coons, like like a little bit more 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 athletic version of, of Jazz Coons that they can probably play right away and fill some holes for them. So I, I believe with, with with all he's kind of capable of doing on the floor, you know, I, I could see him getting on the floor pretty early. And what Washington State obviously has to replace that replace Jeff Pollard. So, so I can kind of see him maybe filling into to, to, to that kind of four role if they're able to play a big center like 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 Deshaun Jackson or one of the other commits or Boba Markovetsky or, or F.A. Abogidi. Um, those are all pretty big guys. So, so they, can, they can pair one of those guys with Andre at the four and then, and then, and then kind of go from there. You know, I, I think that can be a pretty good lineup, but, but he'll, he'll have some competition. And, I, you know, I really think uh, I really think all six of those guys could see the floor in some capacity. Um, the, 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 I believe the Cougars aren't aren't really deep at guard. They, they have some pretty good guards in a position where where I, you know I, I think TJ Bamba and, and Jefferson Koulibaly with their with their length and athleticism may be able to come in right away and, and, and at least play off the bench. Um, Deshaun Jackson again at center. You know yeah. we saw we saw Vova Markovetsky approve a little bit last year, but but you, know, you st- still don't get the sense he, he's going to be a great player for them in every matchup. He, he is a little bit on the slower side, and Deshaun Jackson pro- probably gives you a, a, a few more tools that, that you don't have with Mark Kovetsky. so I can see Jackson playing. I can see uh, Abogidi playing because of his athleticism and strength, and he, he really kind of looks like looks like an NBA basketball player out there. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I think all, all, all six of those guys can play. Maybe not all six of them well, but, but we'll kind of see where they're at when, 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 when training camp starts and, and, and kind of who separates himself first. I got to say, Kyle Smith has done an amazing job recruiting in-state, out-of-state, international. He just touches every corner of the earth. He's, he's fantastic. I'm actually pretty surprised that he, he has been so effective recruiting. And, you know, I, I think it's a credit to his staff. And, and actually, I'm kind of working on a piece right now that kind of uh, dives into their recruiting and kind of how they do it and then really looking looking in depth at this specific class. And then, um, you know, John Andrews, their, their, their assistant coach, and he's kind of the data guy on the staff. He, he, he's actually really great european recruiter um you, you have to be able to have kind of someone on the staff who, who's willing to go to europe a few times a year and spend a few weeks in europe and obviously every staff doesn't have a guy like that these guys have families and they, they obviously have other things going on but but, but john john Andrzak is kind of a perfect guy to be able to go over there he, he has a lot of connections in europe and so so i, I think that's one reason that they've, they've been able to recruit europe pretty good and then, then when you kind of look at australia uh, ryan rapp and then fa abogidi come, come from australia and kyle smith uh, obviously coach with with randy bennett at st mary's and st mary's has recruited australia better than better than any uh, program in the country so so that kind of helps and then obviously kyle's uh kyle, kyle smith's uh t- ties in california he's, he's spent a long time at usf and really built himself a great reputation there and so so that obviously helps in california so so yeah they, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised I, I wouldn't have thought a few months ago that washington state would have you know three four-star players and when, when deshaun jackson signed I, you know, I, I think i think everyone's pretty stoked about that and they said if you know if that's the last guy then we're pretty stoked about this recruiting class and the color carlos rosario kind of comes out of nowhere picks washington state for utah which, which is obviously a pretty big pretty big deal because washington state hasn't won many recruiting battles against other pac-12 schools in the, the, the last five ten years and, and then obviously uh jack he, he, he's, he's actually someone that they, they've had on the radar for a while now 
that they've known about him for a few years. Actually, um, uh, John Andrzak was actually recruiting him while he was at Dartmouth, but had no chance of landing him at Dartmouth. And, and Jack Movsky was was considering playing in Europe, and he, yeah, ultimately decided uh, about a month ago that, that no, I'd rather come to, to come to come to Pullman and play in the Pac-12 and see what I can do there. What? I have a couple of friends who go to USF, and I had a friend who was recruited by USF. I don't. He hasn't said where he's going to go yet, but I listened to it. Kyle Smith was super knowledgeable, and he was he was just great at. He could find something appealing. What I noticed was he could find something that fit each person, which would make it appetizing or appealing to that person. That's what I noticed he was really good at. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think he's really advertising the opportunity to come and play right away. He, he really likes these kind of six-tool guys that, that don't necessarily do one thing really well, but but can do a bunch of things pretty well. So so I, I think he's kind of seen that with, with Noah Williams, with, uh, with with obviously Noah Williams kind of specializes in defense, but, but, but he is pretty adept at doing other things on the floor. You know, Isaac Bonton can kind of do a few different things. He, he's a really great defender, can, can handle the ball, can, can pass, can, can shoot. So um, I, I really think that that's kind of the player that Cal Smith is looking for. He, he's really looking for long and athletic guards which which is obviously something that that ernie kent kind of said, said he was after and then never really was able to get in the last era of washington state basketball so 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 i, I think I, I think cal smith is kind of kind of kind of doing it the right way pete really piecing it to get piecing it together but 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 he's, he's, he's going to talk a lot about losing uh losing jeff part jeff pollard and jerry robinson and i know i know he really valued valued both of those guys and so I think their leadership is going to be missing. I, I think that'll be kind of the one question is who's going to, who's going to step up into, into a leadership spot. Probably CJ Elby if he comes back and Isaac Bonton, but neither of those guys have, have, have really had to do it yet. So, so we'll kind of see where, where, where that leadership hat kind of falls. So you mentioned Ernie Kent and the Ernie Kent era had some positives, but it felt a little more filled with, it felt a little more on the negative side. People weren't the biggest fan. The biggest knock I feel was he couldn't recruit in state. What has Kyle Smith done differently than Ernie Kent has done to recruit in-state. For example, he brought in one after Noah Williams right after he was hired, and we all thought Noah was going to go to Buffalo, but he didn't. So what do you think Kyle Smith does differently than Ernie Kent didn't do? I think probably just making it a priority, and obviously when you beat Washington twice in the same season, the same season that's probably going to help you a little bit. And you know, I've talked to Kyle Smith about this, the fact that you know Washington doesn't recruit Seattle a ton, probably not as much as they should. You know, obviously, they probably they, they've had a few more the last couple of years. But Mike Hopkins really loves the East Coast in New York, so 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 I think Kyle Smith sees it that every every chance he doesn't recruit uh, that Mike Hopkins isn't recruiting a, a Seattle player that that's an opportunity for, for for Washington State to be recruiting that player. So 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 obviously landing a guy like Noah Williams who wasn't heavily recruited by by, by, by Washington, I believe he actually had he might have had an offer from from from, from the Lorenzo Romar era, but they didn't have an offer from Hopkins uh, had it had it, had it uh, eliminated. So uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure on that, but I, you know, I, I just think making it a priority and, and really kind of focusing on in-state guys and realizing how much talent there is in state, you know, uh, Ernie Kent did all right. You know, when, when you look at Robert Franks and um, Malachi Flynn, of course, Malachi San Diego Flynn, state obviously didn't, didn't, didn't stay. That was also a big problem for any kind of retention, uh, retaining these guys. And so um, hopefully that, that, that's something Kyle Smith can do is not only recruit them, but, but make sure that they stay for uh, three, four years and make sure they don't play elsewhere. No, yeah, I think he's doing a good job. I mean, he had a couple people transfer out, but those were like walk-ons, like uh, Carter Sorensen or yeah, yeah, and then and then obviously uh, Durant Henson went to Seattle U, and then right. and then a few other guys, uh, Marvin Cannon. But really, really, kind of when you look at it, probably probably an upgrade in both cases. If yeah, if two guys don't leave the program, Washington State doesn't have a scholarship for. Uh, 
Carlos Rosario or Andre Jakubowski, and then obviously you probably want those two guys in the program more than you want Henson and, and, and Cannon at this point. Um, no offense to either of those guys. No. Henson did, did things really well, and he was obviously recruited by, by Ernie Kent, and, and Ernie Kent really prioritized three-point shooting and be able to being able to kind of run the floor, run and gun, and uh, Ron Henson was a, was a really good fit for that kind of style, but, but, but he obviously never really found his his role in Cal Smith's offense and, and Marvin Cannon, I think, being back home and on the on, on the east coast and the south and then being 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 close to family probably during this time especially that was probably a big deal for him and he also kind of realized that hey i'm not really getting much play here that i could probably transfer somewhere else that they probably will use me more that gives me a better chance to, to see some floor time and really kind of um, assert myself and if he ever wants to play pro basketball in europe or, or in, the, in, in the nba that's probably probably the right move for him okay my last question it's a very it's a very difficult question are you ready yeah where is your favorite place to eat in Moscow or Pullman? Oof, that's a good that's a good question. That that is a tough question because I have a lot and I've, I've eaten almost any, almost everywhere. I, I lived in Moscow, Pullman, the Palouse for about eleven years. So favorite place to eat, you know, I, I'm probably going to go with Casa Lopez in Moscow. I, I, I'm I'm a little bit more biased to Moscow, and I, I think I think a lot of people in Pullman and would, would probably agree that there, there's 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 a few more options in Moscow, a few more good options in Moscow than Pullman. Just a uh, bit. See, I see more I see more Washington State shirts in Moscow restaurants than I see Idaho shirts in Pullman restaurants. So I think I think Casa Casa Lopez. I, I used to live right on the same street as it, so so I went there all the time. And um, I think I think if you're looking just for breakfast, though, the breakfast club in Moscow is another uh, really good bet. Too, I love so. that place. So yeah, good. there's 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 a few good ones. Again, Bino's Pizza in Moscow, and if I if I have to choose anywhere in Pullman, uh, probably Black Cypress. It's a little bit more pricey, so so I've only, I've only been there a few times, but uh, but I've 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 spoken to people who uh, I think I think there was a national reporter who came to Pullman that, that, that kind of lived that lived in New York and said the Black Cypress is, is a top five restaurant he'd ever been to. So so he wow wow huh. Yeah, I, I've never been. That was definitely way out of my price range. I was more in porch light with the eight dollar pizzas. Yeah, yeah. The last couple of days. Yeah, save up for a few weeks to to get a meal at Black Cypress. I generally only went there when my parents came into town, and I wasn't paying for the bill. So, yep, that's what most college students yeah. do. <laughs> How about you? My favorite. Ah, oh, that's tough. I. It bums me out to say. I gotta say, um, Moscow definitely has better food than Pullman. That still is rough to hear, to say out loud. But I like porch light pizza. That's good. Yeah. Um, then there's one Italian place in Moscow. Is it, it might be is Gambino's in Moscow? Gambino's is is yeah yeah. It's, is that uh, fancy? That's fancy, right? Like um, there's another one that's fancier that I, I can't can't think of the name. It's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Myelina. Is that the yeah, one? That sounds familiar. Yeah, it was more upscale. Uh, yeah. Gambino's is, is a good place, but it's more kind of Chicago pizza, deep dish pizza. Oh, then it was Milano, whatever the other one was. That yeah, one was the best. A great one too. All right. Well, those are all the questions I have. Thank you for coming on. Yep, thanks a lot for having me. Anytime. Listen, I love Walker, but he looked like he was 18 or 19. He looked like a young guy. Ben, you should have done this guy right. What, I get him a stripper? What do you want no, me to do you here? Buy him I, mean, a I get him a prostitute? What were you 